Podcast Network. I'm sorry, but this is probably going to be the last time that the three of us are ever going to be here. So can we just enjoy today? First of all, you know, the intro is my thing. All right, you sorry. Don't editor, you, don't, you don't improvise the intro. <laughs> okay. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 137 <laughs> for the week of December 5th, 2016. I am Kung Fu Push-Up David T. Cole, and I'm here with Steelers Hat Sarah D. Bunting. Hey, Dad. Weather Trader Tara Ariano. I don't know either. And Shameful Family Secret Allison Lohuff. No one was supposed to know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the last extra hot grade before Dave and I get divorced, apparently. <laughs> Thank you. For- despite, despite the ominous intro clip, uh, nothing's happening. No, no, no. It's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually paddling out on an ice flow right now, you guys. Good luck. Uh, thank you for bearing with us while we took a week off uh, for Thanksgiving slash my birthday, but we are now back. And back with us is the great returning champion, Allison Lohuff. Hello, Allison. Welcome, Hello. Allison. Yeah! Um, we are here to talk about one of the many shows that Allison Lohuff covers for us at Previously.TV. No, not keeping up with the Kardashians. We are, in fact, talking about This Is Us, NBC's big breakout um, family drama series. And let's start with that. Allison, why do you think the show has been such a huge hit straight out of the gate? I really think that it is, well, first of all, speaking to a generation of people, you know, just like sort of rolling in generation x with that whatever the generation is that's behind us the millennials or whatever Gen y, i don't know i think and then the millennials. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's you know there's a lot of nostalgic elements to it um with the look back at the 80s and um it is uh it's a show that sort of has something for everyone you know there's a lot about parenthood in it and there's a lot about being an adult child um, of a parent that's still really active in your life and mm-hmm. the, the adoption storyline. And it's, um, they're, they're at the age, they're supposed to be 36, although the math does not exactly work out when you kind of look at the timeline, uh, what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at an age, you know, when things are so, sort of crossing a line of, you know, it's getting a little bit too late to be making some some big life changes that they're all on the verge of making. So it's like being our age and shopping at IKEA. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we still have IKEA stuff. He's joking. <laughs> it's uh, it's it really is that um, and and also there's all the the elements of the the warm lighting and the you know strummy music and everything. It just it's sort of a this combination of all that that is like brings the tears every week yeah i i sort of sarah this was the first episode that you watched this week right i know it definitely was dave's um i actually made sure to get caught up oh wow so yeah because i had been told that i would really love the show and i do oh it's not perfect we'll get to that Mm -hmm. kevin um but yeah there is something about like, despite the fact that some of these moments are like emotional Mary Sue's a little bit and everyone <laughs> yeah. sort of says the right thing and has mm-hmm. this perfect phrasing, it's like, 
First of all, if a show has rehabilitated that little rodent Ventimiglia for me, that is a that is a Hall of Fame show. Like if it does nothing else good and gets canceled in like twelve episodes, it it did that for me somehow. Right. Well, what I was going to say was oh, Sterling Brown could just be the president of TV. Like Ugh. he is amazing and agreed. Sometimes he's like carrying the whole the whole show yeah so. what i was gonna say is that i regretted at the start of it that it was this was the what i thought was going to be the first one that you saw sarah because i thought oh it's not very representative with the whole um magic mushroom smoothie storyline yeah. <laughs> and, right. and the hallucination because that's not typical of the show like that's not what it has done prior to this point either um and but also it did that so well too as allison pointed out in her write-up like yes that's a tough needle to thread and they managed to do it. And even the purveyor of the smoothies, like they never go quite like they always stop just short of the line, like making fun of whatever theater people like that guy with his man bun and his matter of fact, like yeah, open my mind a little bit. Like he was really right. In his overalls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Worst. Yeah. But also because it had very little, um, almost none, just the one scene at the beginning, I think, uh, Randall-William interaction, which to me is the strongest part of the show, as you alluded to. I, I don't know if that was your experience in, in mainlining it too, Sarah. Uh, yeah. Um, mostly because like the other, when the focus is on the other kids, it like especially now it's starting to become clear mm-hmm. that the writers don't exactly know what else to do with them like they got into sort of this squishy middle part of the season and kevin in particular i feel like is written a little differently from week to week and the actor's really like i like him i liked him on revenge i think he's doing his best but when the writers can't decide from week to week whether he's like a completely self-involved simpleton like donna martin levels (laughs) dumb and sensitive or if he's just actory and that like there's so much hay to be made with that whole that whole storyline and that he was the manny and whatever and they're not they're not really doing it he's just this like annoying foil sometimes so yeah i don't know if everyone else is feeling frustrated with well i i I agree with you about kevin but i think allison you've been a lot more generous about him and since you watch the show more deeply than any of us do because you have to write about it what what's your feeling about kevin as a character well, I, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm starting to go back to what, do exactly what Sarah's saying. Like in the beginning, I felt that way. And then I thought, oh, well, they're, they're about to do something. Okay. Something's about to happen with Kevin. And then it just hasn't like yeah. it, it's, he's sort of going up the hill and it just keeps going up. And like, I keep thinking the big reveal is about to happen. Like, you know, the stuff, the stuff that happened at the, the funeral that he, that his stupid you know, love interest now, oh, Olivia or whatever, her. you know, they crash a gone. funeral together. And I thought, oh, you know, he's getting into an emotional place where he's going to cry about his dad. And he kind of does, but then nothing else. And then he and Randall have their little, you know, Times Square fight or whatever. <laughs> that was, funny, you know, it oh, was, hey, Seth Meyers. It was. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Seth Meyers. That was funny. Um, and so that, you know, that he keeps kind of like stepping up to it, but they, but then they don't take him anywhere. So, and not even with his relationship with Kate, you know, his sister, I keep thinking like, she's going to blow up on him, like, 
you're this good looking one and you've always got this and, you know, you're so jealous of Randall, but I'm, you know, me and all, you know, and it's like, that hasn't happened either. And I, yeah. I that's what I keep looking for. Um, do you, th- what did you think about the portrayal of adoption since you are an adoptive parent, if that's okay to say <laughs> that there's a lot oh, of talk sure. about giving up the kid or abandonment? Like, how does that strike you as a parent in that, in the, on the other side of it? Um, it's, it's, uh, is stabbing me in the heart with 10,000 knives. Like every episode I watch, I end up like a mess. And like everyone that watches it, you know, is crying through it. But I feel like that storyline, some of it, they're getting so perfectly right. And, and by that, I mean, they're being very honest about it, about all sides of it, like about William's side as well. Like Mm -hmm. he, he was in a desperate situation. He had to make a choice and he did. And it was this, awful thing but for better or for worse uh he made the choice and he and and so this and it put randall on this new path in his life and then rebecca's you know i called it her irrational terror at losing her son you know made her make all these choices which i think is very typical of adoption and adoptive parenting um previous to maybe now my own situation is I guess it's defined as semi-open. We we are in a relationship with the birth mother and we see her um once a year because she lives in another state. And and her, and our story has similar elements to it. Um as far as as Randall's goes, I mean my daughter wasn't abandoned uh like that, but it was um you know they all have these these same sad uh stories in the beginning of course because it's a very sad and difficult thing yeah so um for them to be sensitive to that i mean i I really love that and they're they're getting so much of it right i think and i think even with the interracial adoption as well i'm my daughter and i are the same race but like the i can see through friends of mine who are in that experience um how it is touching those points pretty well so far also uh, Sarah, what was, what was your, you, you alluded to the things that's getting wrong other than Kevin. What, what do you think it could work on at this point? Um, I, f- well, like I said, there can be some emotional Mary suing in terms of like, it just being a little too perfect in Friday night lightsy sometimes <laughs> that's, I mean, clearly that's, if you're going to be too Friday right. night lightsy, there's like worse <laughs> things to be, totally. um, there's worse problems to have. Yes. Um, I'm not, I feel very similar, um, with, with Kate's storyline also that I, I feel like it's just not catching fire and that she's being backgrounded a little bit. And I, I'm not crazy about like either her only storyline is that she's big or that needs to be just part of the fabric of her. And the actress is too good to be wasted on trying to split the difference and failing. Mm-hmm. I hope we're rid of Toby. That was, yeah. he was like, I don't know, like fat explaining her to her. I wasn't <laughs> crazy about that. I also, that's another one where like, I like the actor, but no mas that'll do. Yeah. He was good on the neck um, too. They, I mean, the kid actors are all really good. Uh, but the, in the flashbacks, like, like you've stated how old they are so 
you can't get away with dressing them in the wrong part of the 80s just because that mm. part was cooler <laughs> than like 1989 fashions like i was there for the whole thing and that is not what people wore yeah so that's that can be a little distracting to me but mostly it's and then like william in the flashbacks is like in a like an extra in coffee right. like, what are you what <laughs> yes, fucking year do you true. think it is? is it because he's african-american that it's like he's got the <laughs> superfly pimp jacket on like that's weird and please stop doing that and right your the afro out. has like a little bit too much circumference mm-hmm. yeah you know and but then he's immediately like in his old man wardrobe in his apartment that actually isn't that isn't that terrible (laughs) okay i don't even i don't even know what's going on with that but yeah overall it like it has such a good emotional ear that these little things i'm kind of like pretty confident that they can that they can figure it out i don't know if they will Mm -hmm. but like what happened with the Gemma thing with jamie gertz's yeah daughter that i thought that could have gone somewhere interesting and then she gives the speech and then she gets a raise and then i guess they couldn't afford jamie gertz anymore (laughs) i don't know i was so excited to see jamie gertz you know i thought like okay this is gonna take it to another level you know to have this storyline for kate and i thought they would be really fun together like in you know Kate's working life or whatever, but now it just, it well, first of all, we haven't seen her again. And from what I can tell, we won't. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. And I guess Kate going to move to New York. These are the questions I have because we, now that we've seen them all three together as adults after, you know, it took nine episodes to see that. So now what are they going to do? Yeah. Although, I mean, I get that from a dramatic point of view, but also like from a character point of view, it seems like part of the blow up that you that we need to have between Kevin and Kate needs to be her talking about how dependent he is on her and how that Mm -hmm. is not healthy because they they that's another one where they seem like they keep dancing up to the line of it, but not actually getting there. And like, it's one thing for her to move back to the East Coast because he wants her around, but to she already had made the decision of like, I need to have a life separate from you. I can't be your assistant anymore. So it would be a it would be a backslide for her to do that. Although if part of the idea is like, well, she can't get another job if she's going to be having gastric bypass surgery and then she's going to be like out of commission. So she can't start something that she's not going to be able to finish. I mean, I guess that's maybe that's the dramatic reason for why she would do it because he's the only boss that would be understanding about it. I I don't know. Right. That's good. Good point. I, uh, I wonder if she will do the surgery that that and and will she do it without having the big moment with her mom that I keep thinking like, that's another thing I'm like waiting on happening. Yep. So, you know, although just like thinking of somebody screaming at Mandy Moore about this (laughs) is like killing me. (laughs) You do love her. Like I have this. Yeah. You should talk about that. That was one of the big appeals for you of taking this show on before we knew really anything at all about it other than what was in the promos was that you have a soft spot for her. I really kind of do. And I don't, I can't even explain it except that I feel like she's a nice person. (laughs) She does seem (laughs) nice. Yeah. Uh, I just read this interesting article about her, about her, her, her own family is like, her mom left her dad for a woman and she has two brothers that are gay. And like, she's never spoken about any of that before. And now because of this show, she's feeling like 
she should be honest about, you know, her family that she loves and mm-hmm. that is happy and everything. So I don't know, it made me like her even more. So now, you know, I'm dreading that that moment. Well, and seeing her I, burst into tears in this latest episode was really hard. I mean, she it was yeah. very affecting. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. they're also doing a good job of portraying that just trap that I think mothers like even if you see it you just walk right into it yeah. like you're always yeah. fucking bad cop no matter how good copy a cop you try to be you always get stuck being fucking bad cop yes and my mother still complains about this and she's just like why what like why am i why is it always my fault yeah like why is everything i try to do always gonna be wrong why? That was right my mom too where she was always like why am i always the butt of the jokes that you all you three get to have fun making fun of me all i get is shit and abuse shit and abuse was her catchphrase yeah why am i taking such a ration or a yeah. fucking ration actually why are we talking about this blue. when there is a mother on the podcast hello else <laughs> no no i was about to say i'm entering the shit and abuse uh phase of my life yeah because <laughs> my daughter is seven now oh boy. and oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it's getting to that and she has been like you know how they say about little girls like oh she's a daddy's girl and mm-hmm. blah 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 no <laughs> she has been attached to me I mean, I'm I'm talking physically attached to me <laughs> since the beginning. She didn't come out of my body, but she's been on my body ever since. And like, <laughs> she's, and I tell Chris, my husband all the time, like, uh, when this child turns on me, as is inevitable, <laughs> as is the natural way, you know, it's going to be bad. And it's, you know, it's getting there because I'm, I'm definitely on the shit and abuse cycle right now for sure <laughs> well so it's stuff it seems like there's still lots of stuff that the show can continue to explore i can't imagine that it won't get uh many more seasons after this because it's been such a, a monster hit for nbc but um i'm excited to keep watching it with you allison and your coverage on previously.tv yay thank you wow creepy Hello, everybody. It's time for The Blotter Presents. A couple of wrap-up items here. This week, uh, first of all, last week, uh, it was announced that Investigation Discovery is remaking Fatal Vision, starring Scott Foley of Scandal and Felicity. A bunch of people hit me up on Twitter asking what I thought about this casting, which I guess it's fine, but the whole thing is completely extraneous. Yeah. Just re-release the original Gary Cole is so good and such a good, like, physical match for Jeffrey McDonald. And I'm sort of like, why? Why? Like, why now? Why do it as just a two-hour movie? Like, this case, even in the court phase, was, like, in and out of courts for a dozen years. I'm not sure you can do it in an hour and a half sans commercials. Um, But, yeah, like... My theory is this. Joe McGinnis died and they were like, okay, he would never he would never want us to redo it. And now he's dead and we're just going to proceed. That's my theory. <laughs> uh, is anyone in the group looking forward to this revival? Uh, I actually haven't seen the original, which is a shame. And I feel like I would just rather see that than try to see anyone try to out Gary Cole Gary Cole because when you start with Gary <laughs> Cole stop like he's the best end of story that's that's my feeling about it well and it is one of the all-time classic true crime miniseries mm-hmm. right up there with our um 
the music that starts this joint every time sure. deliberate stranger so <laughs> allison you're a connoisseur what are your thoughts uh my thoughts are the same you can't jam into an hour and a half something that gary cole did in <laughs> three nights or however long it was <laughs> and um it's just you know that story is so suited to the miniseries, and uh, I don't want to see Scott Foley doing this. It's He's too handsome, for one thing, he, and he's no to Gary Cole. I would well, like Gary Cole not... to jam me for three nights, though. Right, everybody? <laughs> yes, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I sort of wish they would do, like, a follow-up to the original with Gary Cole. Cause yeah. McDonald's like 75 now, so mm. and still trying to get out. God, that would be brilliant. Yeah, God bless him. That's, I guess I that's agree. a weird thing to say. <laughs> I agree. Um, in other news, the killing season <laughs> wrapped up its short season uh, on A and E last night. As we record this, this past Sunday, um, I'm not. I'm not really understanding why they felt they had to cram all eight episodes into four two-hour blocks. I assume it's because they wanted it over well before Christmas, maybe? (laughs) I mean, it's not festive. I did it on Saturday, by the way, not Sunday. No, but Netflix dropped Making a Murderer on, what was it, December 21st or something last year? And they made out like Santa Bandits with that. Um, (laughs) I did see on social media that uh, Tara, you and Dave were watching The Killing Season, which was a little surprising to me. That's not usually your... It's not usually your weekend relaxing jam. What did you yeah, guys think of it? We, uh, I mean, it was it was well done. It was uh, the twists that it took were like fascinating and frustrating. Um, but I will say <laughs> we had people staying with us in our guest house, and when they record stuff, it shows up on like the DVR list pulls from both of the DVRs, so I could see the stuff that she was recording. It was like Dateline NBC, <laughs> a whole bunch of Law and Order Criminal Intent. So I went out at one girl. point and found her. It was like, which one of you is the true crime fan? Even though I knew it would be her, <laughs> and it was. Um, so I was like, Go- check out the Killing Season. I like downloaded all the ones that were available on demand, and I know she watched four of them <laughs> before they left in like a day. Oh. So uh, I hooked someone else on it i feel like that's paying it forward for the killing season getting another fan uh but yeah i, I, I it was it was uh it was not something it was more my thing than dave's mm. i was more i was surprised that he stuck with it what did you think dave well first of all it confirmed all my darkest suspicions about truck drivers <laughs> that's a good point which is really where the show ended up it's like truck yeah. truck drivers be be bad um i would say that I enjoyed the show up until the last episode where I feel like they were auditioning for a new season about Cleveland or something. Like it seemed really, Mm. that seemed like the beginning of a next attempt and not this, like it seemed a little weird. I thought that they had sort of ended their line and then they started this new thing about Cleveland, which wasn't even like so much a summary by example. It just seemed like almost like a backdoor pilot for, for, you know, what they hope would be a second season of something. But beyond that, I thought that it was well done. Um, I was fascinated by how they behaved when they were just walking up at somebody's door and knocking on it and asking them questions. Like, how do you approach that? Yeah. You know, especially when you don't know whether this person is going to be um, dangerous or not, or just like, you know, are, are they still be offended grieving? by the implication? Yeah. Totally. yeah. 
I thought that too, how much they f- they seem to be like insulated by having a camera on mm-hmm. them, that they're like, well, they're not going to do anything while they're being filmed, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Although no, there was, was one well episode where they were talking about like, okay, if we have to like sprint out of here, here's the escape route. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And they Guys. had like, a security detail they hired. And it was interesting once in a while they would become part of the story where they would, you know, um, kind of give out the options and give their opinion on how safe or unsafe this current situation could be or how it could break bad or, you know, whatever. Yeah. The, um, the transparency or appearance of transparency about it, I, I thought was it was yeah. a, a good touch that, that they really like sort of opened up everything and showed their whole process. So I know it was for you, Sarity Bunting. Yeah. yeah um, the, they sort of implied, I did an interview with the filmmakers, uh, Zeman and Mills, on Previously.TV. That's in the, the Killing Season section. I'd like to interview them again now that I've watched the whole thing. But I got the sense that there were things that, like, they wouldn't normally do as in terms of, like, the construction of the thing and the voiceover and that the network may have insisted, like, you actually have to hold people's hands a little bit more. Mm-hmm. and my sense was that they didn't actually necessarily believe that all of these groups of murders in different communities are related, but that in order to give it a through line right. for the network, so they could like hang it on something that's like Daytona beach, New right. Mexico. It's all a giant conspiracy. Like it isn't like there's bad people everywhere. That's all that is. But I thought for that, that they, that they did a good job. Did and you watch I'm it? Hoping- Sorry. I I recorded it. I oh, have okay. not watched it yet, but now I want to even more. Sorry, I thought you were done, Sarah. I interrupted you mid sentence. Um, Apologies. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just sort of hoping that they have like more to say that they can say on the record about yeah um the like what the story seemed to want them to do versus what the network and possibly Alex Gibney were needing them to do. So yeah, but it was a good series. I'm glad that they got to do it, and I hope. I totally see what you're saying, Dave, about the backdoor pilot thing, but I kind of hope that that was that, and then it gets picked up and they get more to do because I like their I like their true crime style. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. agreed. Yep. My tiny triumph for this week is a follow up to my years old uh, Twitter years old. hashtag. Uh, movie or bowel movement um <laughs> we were came up because adam grossworth has like that time hop thing or whatever something that tells him you know anniversaries of things and yeah. it's like five years since movie or bowel movement so i started tv or bowel movement a couple days ago on twitter and uh here are some of the best entries by myself <laughs> and others riptide also ripper street thundercats yeah Press Your Luck, <laughs> The Great British Bake Off, oh. American Horror Story, yeah. Knots Landing, yeah. 60 Minutes, mm. <laughs> Game of Thrones, <laughs> The Big Bang Theory, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, Stranger Things, Murphy Brown, <laughs> Suddenly Susan, <laughs> Murphy Brown, <laughs> Call the Midwife, <laughs> Rectify. That was mine. I was very oh. proud of it. Chicago Fire. Oh, Emergency. God. Bob's Burgers. Oh. Inside Amy Schumer. Oh. Twin hey, Peaks. Now. MASH. <laughs> Jeff Drake added regular show, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> Full House. Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> Chips. Beat the Dude. Clock. 
My favorite that I did, match game. Yep. Wipe out. <laughs> too close for comfort. The oblongs. <laughs> under the dome. <laughs> Blackish. Grim. Meet the press. Yep. The grinder. Mm-hmm. For Sarah oh. D. Bunting, unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, probably my grossest one, Grease Live. Ah. Oh. <laughs> tour of tour of duty. The strain. <laughs> Ten speed and brown shoe. <laughs> Gomer pile. The thick of it. Oh. Hardball with Chris and Matthews. <laughs> Dinner for five. And finally, sliders. <laughs> and Tara, you had one. I did. Well, I want to also mention, since it wasn't in your list, Omar, past guest of the show, Omar Gayaga and I, the same minute, both posted catastrophe. Um, but the, my tiny <laughs> I triumph... I also enjoyed your below deck. Oh, I thank you. I thought that was good. Thank you. <laughs> oh. I really... I rectify was the third one I thought of. And even as I was typing it, I was like, I really should just stop after this because I'm not going to top it. And I didn't. But anyway, <laughs> um, my tiny triumph was that I posted pickle and peanut... Thank you. And the creator of the show, Joel Tressel, retweeted it, said something like worlds colliding. I forget what he actually said. But uh, yeah, I was very proud of that one. And uh, I have another tiny triumph that comes from uh, Alyssa. She writes, I've been a huge fan ever since the podcast premiered back in 2010. When the show has a week off, I listen to these old episodes. And today I was listening to episode nine from Mark One which is the introduction of Sarah D. Bunting into our lives. Aww. It Aww. premiered on December 5th, 2010. Hey! As we record five years, uh, six years. So I just wanted to pass along a happy anniversary to Sarah. Thanks for your sense of humor and perspective. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so glad you became a podcast regular. Aww. Aww. Happy anniversary, so Sarah. Fun. It is time to go around the dial. First stop, Tara Ariana. Uh, I want to talk just briefly about um, Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, which I, like the rest of America, I guess, watched all of uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. It's It was fine. I don't know if I would have liked it better if I had rewatched some of those, like the the first, when the show was actually on, like the any of the episodes from the first seven seasons, because there's some stuff that... Uh, is a little problematic now, more so than it was in 2000 when the show premiered. I mean, like the whole thing with Emily's maid and that she can't understand them and stuff. Like, first of all, the fact that it was the same actress playing the maid in a wig and glasses that is Gypsy, the town mechanic. Rose Abdu played both of those roles and was speaking like some kind of crazy pigeon Spanish that apparently was not Spanish at all. And I get that, like, that was an element of the show the first time through, that if it hadn't continued, people would have been annoyed. But, like, maybe people should be annoyed because that's weird and fucked up. Like, that's not okay. Um, and Rory, I don't know if she was always this much of a pain in the ass, but wow, she is terrible in these four episodes. She is the most incompetent freelance writer there ever was. <laughs> First of all, like, whatever. She wrote something for in this, in the universe of the show. She wrote a talk of the town for the New Yorker. Like, great. But then she seems to think that's all she needs to do. And then she can just like walk into other offices with her talk of the town and be like, assign me stuff, which is not how it works at all. Like, has a meeting at Vanity Fair and then is like sitting there waiting for them to tell her what to do. Like, 
first of all, why do you even have this meeting? Second of all, come in with like 10 ideas, you fucking nitwit. Like, I know there was a million think pieces after this came out from all of the journalists, like, complaining about what a bad journalist she is, but she is bad. She's also a suck. She's not a relatable character at all. And Luke and Lorelai have never had chemistry, and they still don't. In fact, having all this time off, they have even less. They have negative chemistry, and whatever they did to Scott Patterson's hairline is a war crime. Like, just let the man be bald. He's fucking old. Like, it looked like it was colored in with, like... You know those the shoe polish things that you get with like, like there's a like yes. brown nick in your shoes and it's like a waxy like pastel crayon. It's like that episode of Frasier where uh, his dad puts yes. shoe polish. In his yes, yeah. it's, it was so bad. Like every scene he was in where he didn't have his hat on, I was like crying for him on the inside. I don't even like that guy. So I guess I had a lot of problems with Gilmore Girls, but um, I I don't know. People seem to like it? Question mark. I couldn't really tell what the you know what the 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 kind of critical mass of opinion on it was in particular people were so excited about it that i imagine there was a, a lot of them that felt that it lived up to their expectations for a show like this it has to be you have to like come back to it in a couple months i feel like yeah. it's the muppets movie of netflix <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's like oh, the muppets are back muppets! <laughs> and then, and then like later like, like you know oh. what this isn't as good as i thought it yeah. was. this isn't the triumphant return of the muppets it was just okay yeah, yeah. i agree mm-hmm. i thought uh but i will say nick reinwell jones who wrote three of the four pieces on uh the season roger cormier very ably wrote up summer um nick's uh sort of closing thoughts on this which i thought were very smart and and correct were that these episodes proved that Emily Gilmore is the real true protagonist of the show and she always has been and she's other than the racial stuff she is the best um I guess I shouldn't just fluff that off but I feel like it's more that the show is racist than that she is racist that's a separate discussion to have I guess but um Kelly Bishop is a queen and she was excellent in these episodes too and um uh, Nick's sort of exploration of what her journey was was a pleasure to read and a great capper of the season. You can find that on previously.tv. Also on previously.tv, my coverage of the much anticipated by me, uh, A&E limited series, Leah Remedy, colon, Scientology in the Aftermath. Um, it premiered last week. I'll be writing it, uh, writing about it every week at previously.tv. Um, if you're a Scientology, I don't even know, not fan, but if you're if you're fascinated by Scientology and like especially by stories from people who've left the church, this is 100% for you. Some of it in the first episode I felt was a little bit old hat, like if you've seen Alex Gibney's movie on HBO like or read Going Clear, um a lot of this will be familiar to you, but I'm hoping that as the the, the first episode just had to sort of be as Sarah said, hand-holding for the people that are not, you know, super uh, consumers of Scientology stories, Uh, because the rest of it is going to be Leah Remini, who famously left the church several years ago, interviewing other people and about their experiences. And so I can't wait to watch all eight episodes of this joint. Allison. Okay, I want to talk for a second about um, Search Party on TBS. Yeah. I watched it. Um, they dropped the whole series over the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving holiday to, I guess, allow for binging. I don't know, which I thought was kind of a weird idea, but I don't know. Uh, I've just finished it, and um, I really loved it, uh, and I found it to be really weirdly charming in a way that similar shows, I'm thinking particularly of Girls, are not. Yeah. Um, 
mostly d- due to um, Alia Shawcat, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that right. I think um, so. She is grade A adorable. I mean, she just and so just great in this. She plays Dory, uh, she's an aimless young woman in New York who happens to see a flyer for a girl who's gone missing. And she recognizes the photo as this girl, Chantal, who she was acquainted with in college, but she has nothing else going on in her life and kind of makes this her thing and throws herself into it. Kind of, she has this milk toast boyfriend that she drags (laughs) along behind her and um, two completely self-centered friends who almost steal it. Uh, steal the show because they are very funny and they're very Jack um, and Karen from Will and Grace. John Early, they are, so they funny. are. But, but you know, even like meaner and <laughs> <Yeah>. more absurd. <laughs> and um, they sort of all get wrapped up in this. And you know, it's not a comedy or a drama or whatever. It, it, it but it feels more like a comedy. But then these mystery twists are really on point at the end of every episode. And um, the thing wraps up in a way that just like is darker than you expect. And still so just, I was riveted by the Mm -hmm. last episode um, and I, I really loved it. And then there are some incredible, like small appearances, like Parker Posey shows up and uh, uh, the neighbor uh, of the two main characters is really funny and crazy. And I, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, you can watch it for free on TBS's website, although I think you have to, like, watch the whole thing through or something. Like, I cannot figure out their website. Really? Oh, uh, Yeah, weird. like, some weird situation with that. But they probably uh, have an app for, like, Roku or whatever, at, or uh, yeah. I, Apple TV or what have, what have you. Yeah, I just I recorded it as it was airing all last week. I liked it too, Um, and I I also I liked that the well I won't say anything about the ending because we want people to watch it. But I I I liked how it wrapped up the mystery in a very ambiguous way. I thought right, Um, not not ambiguous about the outcome or the story. Like that does come to a satisfying conclusion if that's something people are worried about (laughs) because of the climate that we're in you do get an answer at in the season finale the killing but yes. um but i liked how it, how it <laughs> capped kept the story as a story like as a tv show yeah um yeah i wonder i wondered if like if they were intending to go to a second season or mm-hmm. whatever how what what it could be like i i'm not sure where they could go well i mean there are ideas i don't know but like for dory mm-hmm. i just i want to know more about whatever happens to her next and um We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, as a small plug, uh, <laughs> as as you listen to this uh, last week or whatever, <laughs> um, Mariah's World premiered on E! Uh, about Mariah Carey and her fascinating and glamorous life. <laughs> uh, I watched the first episode and did a new show fact sheet on it for Previously.TV. And, I, you know... It was terrible, but I loved it. <laughs> That's all you can hope for for a show like this, right? Like, no one's I, expecting I really, it to be great. Yeah. I mean, these shows, they don't give me what I want, which is I want the inside baseball on what on her life as a musician. And, like, I, I, I'll watch a docuseries on her putting a tour together. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they had to, you know, make it all dramatic. And they, they, there are clear characters that were written in. You know, there's this... <laughs> Uh, 
her her whole crew, which like numbers in the thousands or something, like there's all these dancers and makeup people and her manager and everything. But then they they throw in like this assistant, this little blonde white girl who like <laughs> is completely useless <laughs> and useless like from the jump. Like in the interview, the the manager who is this bulldog lady is like, and there's no crying in my office and blah blah and the girl like almost starts crying like <laughs> as she's sitting there and like she's really stupid and they're <laughs> I, I hate to even like watch anymore because of that because I really just want to know I want to see Mariah singing and like I want her to like they showed her a little bit how she arranges music with her music director and I, I just she's so incredibly naturally talented that that's enough. I, I don't know yeah. why they have to create all this nonsense, but anyway, they obviously have. I know why. America loves nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'll yes, be airing uh, all this week, I'm sure. They'll be rerunning it ad nauseum. It was also on Bravo last night. They premiered it simultaneously on both those channels, so yes. look for it. I'm sure you can find it. Sarah D. Bunting. Speaking of Bravo, uh, Below Deck... Um, and my below dick rankings will be wrapping up this week with the season finale. And they have not, they are choosing again, not to do a reunion show. Like I understand that maybe everyone over at Bravo is getting a little reunion fatigue, like (laughs) real housewives reunions that go on one third the length of the season. Yeah. Uh, I think one year, New Jersey had like, three proper reunion episodes and then two like cut scenes things like that. Okay. That's fine. Like it's the holidays and we'd all rather be watching the great holiday baking show. And that's, I get it, but no reunion at all. Yeah. This has actually been a pretty good season, but I think once they got rid of former hair model, senior deckhand Trevor and his binge drinking problem, (laughs) there wasn't quite enough conflict. And I could see that either, you know, people didn't want to come back for the reunion or they just didn't think it would be worth watching. But they're never worth watching. That's not the point. <laughs> we expect a reunion. Give us a reunion. And also, don't leave it up to poor Captain Lee to announce it on his blog. The man has enough problems. <laughs> anyway, I've covered the entire season and am covering Below Deck Mediterranean and below deck on the you know slopes of whistler called timber creek lodge so yes all your below deck ish needs let me understand this below deck reunions are sort of like fruitcake from your aunt you don't really want to have it but if you don't get it you feel slated yeah okay because then you can't make fun of it it's it's about consistency yeah okay Mm mm-hmm uh, my plug, <clears throat> speaking of fruitcakes, is for my Dinner for Five show <laughs> That's correct. Uh, I have resuscitated the count how many times over the course of Dinner for Five, John Favreau mentioned that he was left on the cutting room floor in Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. <laughs> so far, we're up to one. Mm-hmm. The scene was a sex scene. I'd forgotten about that. Um, anyway, there are also categories like smoking at the table, our guests drunk, and so on. As you're listening Yay. to this, I will have a new one up uh, today, Tuesday. Nice. Uh, Peter Falk nearly punching Vince Vaughn in the face because he <laughs> won't stop interrupting him. Yes, you're right. That was two separate episodes. <laughs> this is the first one. Uh, it's really fun. All the um, Dinner for Fives are on, pretty much all of them are on YouTube. 
I really wish they'd reboot this show in a proper fashion with actual Favreau. Until they do, we're just going to have to muddle along with the um, with the version from the first Bush uh, term in office. And you can find all of that at previously.tv. All right. Uh, Westworld wrapped up its first season. Uh, we talked about it when it premiered. I think everybody was so-so on it. I was a little worried that it was just going to be another J.J. Abrams mystery box television show. Avec HBO boobs. <laughs> oh, uh, Avec. Yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> As I know, it's fancy. You have to say it in yeah. French when you're talking about premium cable. Yeah, exactly. All français. Yeah. <laughs> um, and certainly it is a mystery box show at least in the first season i know nobody else here has watched it so i'm just talking to myself i've passively consumed it yeah um but i will say uh despite some tone problems and some just general like hbo's making another show for that kind of person who loves hbo shows show (laughs) and all the things you get with it like here's some boobs why because you love boobs yeah. Um, although a lot of the nudity was so matter of fact that you become numb to nudity now. Um, I started walking around town in the nude because nudity means nothing to me now that I've watched Westworld. Um, I do appreciate that. Was a Hawaii thing, not a saturation. <laughs> thing. It's both. Your mahalo is showing. Aloha clothes. Um, I do appreciate that a lot of the mysteries that they introduced have been wrapped up. And by the way, if you haven't watched Westworld skip this segment um they're for the most part i think i get the feeling that they're setting the show up for a different uh hook in season two well there was something about a park one sign right that suggests there will be other parks yeah well within the park there's other like worlds so i'm not quite sure what that oh right this one was racist too i forgot yeah so (laughs) there's westworld they've shown stuff from a Roman world. I believe they've said there's a medieval world and they introduced samurai world last night. Hints of it. Um, But um, the part in the middle where it was sort of like, who's the robot? Who isn't when they, that started to come in. Like I got this bad, who are the final five Cylons from Battlestar Galactica vibe from it where I didn't really care because like in Battlestar Galactica, it really made no difference who those final five Cylons were. It was just this meaningless mystery box thing. It really didn't have, didn't matter who it was. It was just like, you want to guess, have a guess, you know, place a bet in Vegas on who's the final five Cylons. Um, but um, what this show is doing differently and which I enjoy is that they're drawing a nice line uh, with their narrative and narrative structure like there's two there's two big items in season one. Um, there was uh, the introduction of multiple timelines. Uh, part of the story takes place in the past. Part of it takes place um, in the present. And the other big uh, kind of mystery thing was the identity of William, who is McPoyle. <laughs> I don't even know the actor's <laughs> name. What's the actor's name? Jimmy too? Simpson. Uh, and his character ends up being the same character uh, as the man in black. Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed Harris's character. But these two mysteries weren't impossible to figure out ahead of the show revealing them. And no matter whether... Were or weren't? Were not. Okay. Uh, I don't think... that It wasn't like Lost... A lot of people guessed that, though. It wasn't like Lost where shit just happens out of the blue and it's a surprise because there was no other way to, you know, 
right. know it. Uh, all these things were knowable. There was hints and, you know, you can kind of see some of it coming or Bernard being a robot. Right. You know, these were all things that, that were not telegraphed in a very obvious way, but it let you um, either consume the show at your pace or the show's pace. Right. Either way, I found the reveals to be pretty fulfilling in a way that usually anything with J.J. Abrams' hands on it, I find frustrating. Yeah. Um, so I I have hope that with season two, with most of the who's who and what are everybody's motivations uh, sort of settled in a in a broad stroke kind of way that season two will sort of take it in a new direction. And that direction might be, you know, kind of rise of the machines sort of storyline or, right. you know, uh, corporate interests versus civil rights kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that is interesting to me. And I get the feeling that they're setting themselves up for a kind of a minor reset because if it's just this every year, no, thank you. But like they did, a great deal of world building in season one. And I do appreciate that. Um, It became much richer as the season went along from what I thought the first episode was presenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know HBO really wants this to be the next game of Thrones. I think Nick said it. It's interesting. It's compelling, but it's never going to be a game of Thrones for HBO. Right. Um, But we'll see where they go next season. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm pretty bummed that they uh, killed off Anthony Hopkins character. Uh, or did they? What if that wasn't the real Ford? That's true. I was thinking that maybe he made himself a little, uh, little, little buddy, robot buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, I get the feeling that uh, that would be, uh, you know, a nice little uh, budget line item they can cross off. But yeah. We'll see. Um, I hope he's still in it. Uh, great cast. They're 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 pretty good. I don't really like Dolores that much. But yeah. She's not giving a lot to work with, but um, her character in season two is woke. Right. So, you know. Perhaps she'll be able to inject a more genuine emotion without being the sort of puzzled child of the show. I will say, um, the re- I when I started seeing promos for this, I thought this is not a show for me, and I was right. And I watched the second one and thought, well, that's enough. I don't need to watch this anymore. And uh, after that, I saw bits and pieces of it, you know, because there were times where I was like reading Twitter or whatever. So I told Dave, I don't care, you can turn it on. And it seemed like there was still a lot of killing ladies. Um, and raping and stuff, which is what turned me off of it in the first place. Like the idea of a cruelty tourism was not appealing yeah. to me. So if you are like me, but you still would like to see a story on TV about androids and, you know, awakening to their consciousness, I would recommend humans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Although, <laughs> thank you. Jeez, oh, Dave. I'm sorry. I was deep <laughs> in my next, my reply to you, which I, th- I feel like season two is a bit of a sophomore slump for humans. In humans? Yeah. yeah. We have flown to England and we've watched the first four. Six yeah. six have aired so far. There, we have not watched the latest two yet. Um, it's a slow burn, but I'm not learning anything new. That's I the problem. Guess? Yeah. I mean, what's more interesting to me about humans than Westworld 2, other than, I mean, humans has violence against androids as well and women and whatever. Uh, but it's it puts it in a real world context, mm-hmm. which is more interesting to me than the sort the theme park elements. Like how would it actually be to live in a world where it, people were, you know, robots that are more or less, I mean, they're distinguishable from humans, but like how, how would that change your life as a person yeah. if you weren't someone who had $40,000 a day to spend to go to West? Westworld deals with video game consequences. Right. Right. You know, right. it's like the Grand Theft Auto of, 
of of that sort of tourism that they're envisioning. Sure. Whereas humans is, you know, curling up with a book and reading about so you know, like you know, speculative <laughs> fiction, right? Yeah. You know yes, what I mean? It like, is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Uh, right. that's my thoughts on uh Westworld. Um sorry that I couldn't bounce that off anybody, but all my opinions are correct. <laughs> All right, it is time for a Nonak. That is the evil mirror universe twin of the canon. The worst, terrible, most egregious episodes of an otherwise quality show. Uh, Today we have a submission from Matthew Siegel, which we'll play in a second. But I just want to invite everybody to submit their own canon submissions, their Nonak submissions, or the I am not a crackpot theories. Uh, just record your audio, leave a little bit of silence at the beginning and the end of it, and send it to ehg at previously.tv so we can play it on the show. Everybody who submits something and is used on the show gets a free, extra hot, great mini topic of their choosing. And with that, take it away, Matthew. Hello, extra hot, great. My name is Matthew Siegel from Tampa, Florida. My Nonak submission is season nine, episodes 23 and 24 of How I Met Your Mother. Last Forever Part 1. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as four ninety nine a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Two. How I Met Your Mother, or Himyum for short, was a comedy about Ted Mosey explaining to his children the events leading up to how he met their mom. In the early years, it was a funny and inventive show which used its narrative structure to explore relationships and friendship while juggling an overarching plot with clues and foreshadowing of a titular mother. However, the creators of the show proved to be too clever by half, as they conceived an ending to the series when they first started and felt bound to never waver or depart from their original plan. That refusal to change would prove to be their downfall, as the realization of their nine-year-old ending led directly to the worst episodes of the series, the series finale. 
The last and final season of the show concerns Robin and Barney's wedding, an event the series had spent at least two seasons building towards, with the final season taking place entirely in the weekend leading up to the event. The series finale starts with Ted tearfully saying goodbye to his friends. These farewells play off nine years' worth of familiarity the audience has with the characters. It would be a touching send-off. In a grim omen of what the rest of the episode will be concerned with, these goodbyes are rendered mute within two scenes, as Ted sees the mother and decides not to leave. While the show tries to lampshade the swear, pointing out that something that's stupid doesn't make it not stupid. <laughs> the finale then gets to work really salting the field of goodwill. Lily and Marshall fare the best, mostly because their entire existence gets boiled down to them having more kids and being the peanut gallery for the others. By the midpoint of the first episode, Barney and Robin have broken up. The joke's on the viewer for being invested in them as a couple. Robin's anger over the divorce and her lingering feelings for Ted cause her to drift away from the group, a familiar trip to a well the series had gone to before. Barney resorts to being the same gross horn dog he was at the start of the show, although now 15 years older. Thankfully, he knocks up a woman that we never see and has a baby girl, which results in him becoming a decent person for the last 15 minutes to the series, because I guess we should have been rooting for the mistake baby all along. Ted and the mother <laughs> fall in love, have two kids, and then get married. The finale shows glimpses of what could have been if the mother had been integrated more into the series, and Christian Milotti shows great chemistry with the rest of the cast. Then the show offs her with the sickness and death only alluded to in the final season, and proceeds to reveal that the entire point of the show hasn't actually been Ted telling the story of their meeting, but rather that he still wants to bone his kid's Aunt Robin. The kids give him their enthusiastic consent to get over their dead mom and go have sex, again with their aunt. The final image is a callback to Ted and Robin's original love story, rather than anything to do with the actual mother of the title, and is naturally followed by reminding us what the title is. This is the ending the creators had written and filmed at the very start of the show, the ending they stuck with even though the following nine seasons had rendered it a cruel joke. Now before I proceed, I want to acknowledge some counter-arguments for including this in the known act. I will admit that as the show were on, you could really feel the writers running out of clock. And in fact, the finale does have some great moments. Neil Patrick Harris is acting with the baby girl is touching, and almost no other episode of the show has a moment as great as the actual meeting between Ted and Tracy the mother, which is the peak of the show's long memory and justifies the layering and foreshadowing that had been the series' strong point up to that point. However, I submit that instead of saving the finale, the good moments actually damn it. Whenever it manages to stumble onto something that triggers a joy signal, it then follows it up with something so bad that the pleasure receptor is forever burnt out, never to feel again. <laughs> the finale is the logical and frustrating endpoint for the worst aspects of the show, which thought that misdirection was a substitute for storytelling, and that if an ending on its own was good enough, it could rest on shitty foundations. NPH might knock the baby scene out of the park, but then you realize that he broke up with Robin because he couldn't handle her being successful, and apparently just needed a baby, which Robin could couldn't and wouldn't have to fix him. Ted and Robin reuniting might have made sense at some point, but as the show dragged on, the writer's delaying tactic showed that she and Ted were toxic together. And once you realize that the entire series has been about the mother being a broodmare for Ted, you start to question the entire point of the show. Thanks to this episode, I've never been able to revisit the series, a series that I once loved. For being so bad that it poisons the happy memories of an entire show, <laughs> I feel that it is more than qualified to be enshrined in the Nonak. Thank you and love to the show. Uh, Man, <laughs> wow! Yeah. Uh, well, I hope my eyebrows grow back someday after clap. Burn them down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Matthew. And by the way, Matthew does earn himself an extra credit for his troubles. That is an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing. Can't wait to see what he submits. <laughs> um, so you may have noticed usually in the in these uh, submissions we insert clips from the shows and I didn't this week because I just felt like this episode and and I think his argument was very succinct but this episode basically is a stand in for three major violations of uh the viewer show creator compact of 1952 and onwards which <laughs> and the three things are this uh the weaseling out ending 
of the showrunners having their cake and eating it too by having How I Met Your Mother and then the mother dies and then Robin can go back in. That's number one. Number two, the rug sweep of Robin and Barney's relationship. Yes. And number three, mm-hmm. it's this episode is a stand-in for the just the general long, painful draw of the conceit of the series. Uh, that, you know, they suffered from just stretching it out way too long, relationships bouncing in and out, a la Ross and Rachel on Friends, and that this series had a shelf life, and they got greedy and extended it well beyond their shelf life to the point where when they did wrap it up, nobody really cared, uh, and that the payoff for how long people waited was just not there. And that is my very succinct argument for why this definitely belongs in the Noonak Tara. Well, I have a different perspective on this because um, How I Met Your Mother is on every day on FX and I usually just put it on uh, while I'm working because <laughs> it's it's an okay enough show that it you know acts as the radio when while I'm waiting for Law and Order to come on, which is usually later in the day. Um, but it's <laughs> uh, so I have watched I watched this episode, these two episodes recently, and I also have watched all of that final season. Which, by the way, the fact that this show got to season nine is absurd and terrible. Also, the final season was yeah. a terrible like uh, concepts season. Well, that's what I'm getting to, yeah. which is they the whole as he as Matthew alludes. The entire final season takes place over Barney and Robin's wedding weekend. So there's like lots of like, you know, flash arounds and whatever. Like they, you know, figure figure out ways to get them out of this bed and breakfast where they all are on occasion to like tell other stories and stuff. But still, that is like it's a 24 episode gross self-indulgence of like playing out the string in an, such a cynical way. It's like really uh, the whole season is a fuck you honestly like irrespective of where it ends um but there are uh, while i agree with him that this this having your cake and eating it too is is appalling and that one of the things that made the show interesting from the beginning was that you end that first episode thinking that robin is the mother and then he says that was your aunt robin like okay well where is the story gonna go and then you know it's like lost where you know people (laughs) They, they, the fans were like, it, they're in purgatory, and then the creators had to be like, no, they're not. Okay, fine, they are. Um, so they, <laughs> it, it, similarly, they, they got to such a more interesting place with Barney and Robin, and like that was really hard work for them, for the writers to earn that relationship and have it make sense. And they did. And then for it, as Matthew says, for it to get undone in the first 15 minutes is real bullshit. But, uh, but still, there are definitely worse episodes in that final season than this finale, which I thought had some sweet moments. So I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to vote, but I'm going to throw it over to our guest, Allison Lohoff. I, uh, I have also been on the fence. I watched them both again today. Uh, and I remember when this show started, I was so invested in the concept uh, to a degree, although I, I just don't have the love for Josh Radner very no, much. No, he was always the so. worst. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and uh, what is that show he was on recently of the where he played the Civil War doctor? Or <laughs> Mercy Street. I watched that too. Oh God, it was so bad. The yeah. the moments of that that I saw, and I was just like, oh, Mosby. Anyway, <laughs> so like I enjoyed I enjoy watching this in reruns too every once in a while, and it has the you know the laughs, whatever are are still some of them pretty good, but 
when this last season started, I remember watching the first four episodes and just being like, what? Like, yeah. it just kept going on and on. And like Tara said, it was just like, uh, you know, a huge F you to, to everyone who was, had been, who had stuck with it, whoever those people were, because I was <laughs> definitely in and out. Um, and, but again, I also thought these last two episodes had a couple of sweet moments. And I was, I was, I was excuse me, as I was watching today, I realized, you know, they're genuinely crying, you know, when they're, when they're doing all these farewells that they had to do, the multiple goodbyes that they are doing throughout this timeline back and forth. Like you can see like that there's real emotion between these actors and like that is very touching, I think. And I don't know, it reminded me of some of the things about the show that I really liked, but I, I, it it was also a pain in the ass. (laughs) Still, I'm on the fence. (laughs) Okay, Sarah D. Bunting. Um, well, I'm sort of, I'm also on the fence. I'll get to why um, in terms of my vote. I'm not on the fence about what a piece of fucking garbage this two-episode <laughs> two block was. Uh, based on what I saw in this, uh, How I Met Your Mother is everything that I dislike about sitcoms. There's, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, and maybe this was like charming in the beginning. I don't know, and will not be finding out. But it's like this creaky print, like, oh, we're still in the bar at whatever, even though we have kit. Like, I don't, what? Like, what New York is this where you can just, like, did you tie your baby to the crib to go out and have a pint with your friends? Like, really? Um, the, like, the pacing is not good. The jokes feel pretty forced. Neil Patrick Harris is like rapidly becoming someone that I'm like, be, like angered by mm-hmm. the sight of yeah. at this point. Um, and then like this idea that first of all, not knowing really any of the backstory, it really seemed like they sold out feminism with this Robin thing, mm-hmm. this Robin storyline that I was just like, and why is, why is she the only certified badass in the group. Well, I guess Jason Siegel's character is sort of a badass, but they make him such a whatever, like crying in the shower guy. Yeah. Figure of fun that you can't take that seriously either. And then Robin's like, I'm sorry, I travel all the time and I'm a success. Fuck that. Come yeah. on. I know it's a sitcom, but Jesus Christ. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess we'll just get a divorce because being apart is hard. So you get. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But there's the fact that I never watched the show, but I did edit many of uh, our esteemed colleague Omar Gayaga's fine coverage of said show as it was uh, twitching and gasping its last. And the finale, like, I just remember his tone in his writing was so exhausted. Yeah. The whole season, but especially at the end that he was like, it had been going on so long that he no longer had the strength to be furious. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's like, bitch, your show is called How I Met Your Mother. What kind of blue French horn? Uh, yeah, like, so I'm sure that this is actually not the worst episode or block of episodes in the series. And I have no context for whether or not it was generally an otherwise good show. Again, won't be finding out. But... Because this is in the Hall of Fame of fuck you shitty endings, <laughs> I think I have to put it in the Nonak. Yeah. Because it's like offensive 
it's almost offensive, like, how bad it is that they're like, psych, and they thought it was cute. Like, gross. Yeah. So that's how I feel. Boo. Okay, so it's time for the vote, but I just want to say that it feels like we might be having a little philosophical no-neck disagreement here versus the quality of the episode itself versus if this episode can be no-knackable because it represents everything that this show did poorly throughout its series, but especially at the end. Yeah. I mean, Sarah's Sarah's point is... It's a scapegoat for everybody's late series issues with this show. Yeah, but Sarah's point is well taken, which is that 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 it's so famous for its fuck you Enos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that can't be denied. Yeah. I just want to answer a couple of things that Sarah said about Robin, which is this series already sold her out by first having establishing her as a character who didn't want kids and then later having her find out she like physically was infertile and then having her be, really be sad about it, which like I get, I can understand that even if you didn't want kids, having the avenue definitely closed off as it were <laughs> by cho- not by your choice would still be emotional, but still it was already like she didn't want kids. Like this would not be a trauma that would ruin the relationship she was in at that moment, probably. Um, and also like, as you said, in the the whole business of the finale that like, she's finally gotten success in her career. And this is the thing that ends her relationship now. Like fuck off anyway. Yeah. Okay. So with that, Tara Ariano, I, us off I, still, I still am not going to vote it into the Nonak because despite the the badness of the storyline, mm-hmm. the episode still had enough like cute moments between Tracy and Ted that it kind of redeemed it for me. And like I know that's what everyone had been waiting to see. And if it had ended on them like that they meet and then that's the end, like we wouldn't have gotten to see that. And Kristen Milioti is so cute in this role that she actually makes Josh Radner appealing, which I never thought would have been possible, <laughs> but congratulations to her. So I'm going to vote no. All right. I'm going to vote yes. And as a counterpoint, I do feel like this this episode is a great stand-in for all our uh, gripes about the series. And, you know, I didn't really think it was a great episode anyways, but yeah, I do agree with Sarah that this is a big F you to everybody who's watched this show. And, uh, you know, we're going to send this uh, goat out into the desert and uh, let it die. <laughs> so I'm going to vote yes for no neck. Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> Even if I weren't going to vote yes anyway, sending the goat out into the <laughs> desert is really delightful and would have would have changed my mind. But uh, yes, I believe it goes in the no neck. All right. So that means this is up to <gasps> Allison's vote. To our As guest. you know, a tie uh, is a no vote. So Allison, let us know. Where are you thinking? Okay. I, uh, you know, was on the fence, but I feel convinced by uh, Sarah's <laughs> scathing rant. <laughs> Um, and, and although I do agree with Tara that, uh, the mother, um, was uh, Christine Milioti. Is that it? Yeah. Kristen. Uh, Kristen, right. Yeah. Adorable. And like, she was very charming when I watched it again today. I I was reminded of that as well. I I really liked that, but I'm putting it in. I'm voting yes. All right. right. I can't be mad. So (laughs) guys, (laughs) how? I <laughs> your blue French horn. Oh God! Season. Nine. <laughs> we have two episodes. We got episode twenty-three. Flare. 
De akkor el. Episode 24. Oh, God. Episode 23 and 24 are known by the title. Last forever. Oh, so been there. We hereby declare How I Met Your Mother, Season 9, Episodes 23 and 24, Last Forever. You are now in, and forever, the extra hot grate, no doubt. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Americans love a winner. Yeah. Oh. And will not tolerate a loser. It is time for winner and loser of the week. Sarah has the winner. Uh, I do. It is Claire Arnold, uh, known to you as Kathleen Robertson, who has sold an adaptation of uh, the 1995, I believe, movie starring Kevin Spacey and Frank Whaley, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Swimming with Sharks, uh, scathing Hollywood satire that I very much enjoyed, and I think it's really fantastic that it's getting i think it's gonna be a limited series Mm -hmm. if i had if you had been like so kathleen robertson sold a limited series to um e what is it i would literally never have guessed this and if you just told me the swimming of sharks part i never would have guessed her (laughs) and i just think it's really cool like it it turns out maybe she's a secret badass and i like that i like being pleasantly surprised by people Loser of the week? Uh, loser of the week, Masters of Sex. Uh, the, <laughs> the Masters and Johnson dramedy, I guess, on uh, Showtime <laughs> has uh, fucked its last. It's uh, ending after four seasons. <laughs> I was the only one, I think, who watched it all the way through. And there was actually some really interesting stuff this season. But, uh, you know, I can't be mad that it's ending f- uh, poor Michael Sheen deserves better and yes better than this and better than being a half a robot in that fucking passenger thing <laughs> so oh <weird>. yeah <laughs> for me he's always going to be gangway foot cycle yeah gangway for foot cycle and the drunk tennis commentator in that uh, HBO thing last last year with Andy oh, Samberg yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jon Snow that was so funny if you haven't watched yes. it Seven Days it's in brilliant. Hell it's on HBO so go it's so good and so dumb um, so yeah sorry Masters of Sex <laughs> uh, speaking of Seven Days in Hell I have an interesting question <laughs> do you know what time it is? Oh. it's uh. game time <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the 11th game time of the season. Tara and Sarah both need a win to clinch the season. As a reminder, season ends when somebody hits five. And value guests are behind with a couple of points. Today, Uh we are playing... Hot Potato Primetime Laughs Edition from Martin Van Klompenberg. Learns himself an extra credit. (laughs) An extra... (laughs) Ta-ting! Redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. Also... Martin Van Kloppenberg, you have the best name ever. Yep, agreed. <laughs> Truly. 
so today there are 14 rounds in oh Hot boy. Potato, and the uh, point is given to the last person standing in each round. Okay. The last person standing uh, goes last in the next round after that, right? Okay. Goes so last. If you win goes... round one. Okay. Goes first. Uh, yeah, sorry, goes first. Okay, yeah. okay, yep. Okay, so uh, let's see who Picky is going to choose to go first. We will start with valued guests. All right, so that means Allison, Sarah, Tara is our order. Are we ready to play? We'll see. Sorry, Primetime Laughs Edition, okay. round one. Academy Award nominees who have appeared on 30 Rock, <laughs> 28 possible answers. Boy. Allison, go. Alec Baldwin. Um, Susan Sarah, Sarandon. Sarah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Say Susan Sarandon. Now. Yeah, say Susan Sarandon, Sarah. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. <laughs> I'm not uh, proud. Salma Hayek? Elaine Stritch? Oh, Tony's. I probably. Yeah, yeah. To Sarah, Matt Damon. Nice oh, man. Paul Giamatti. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Well, Pass. Allison, you're out. Yeah, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh. God, who wasn't on that show? What's her face? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, that means Tara gets the point. Okay. But Tara, do you want to just... Julianne Moore? Yeah, Julianne. Which would be my next one. Okay. Oh. Here are the rest. Aaron Sorkin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alan Alda. Brian oh. Cranston. Sure. Christopher Walken. Yep. Don Cheadle. Emma Stone. James Franco. John Lithgow. Kristen Wiig. Martin Scorsese. Mary Steenburgen. Uh, Michael Keaton. Octavia Spencer. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Queen Latifah. Rip Torn. Robert De Niro. Rob Reiner, Stanley Tucci, Tom Hanks, and Whoopi Goldberg. My God. <laughs> Time for round two with 11 entries. Political figures who appeared on Parks and Recreation. Tara, you're first. Oh, my boyfriend, Joe Biden. To Allison. Oh, Hillary Clinton. No. Uh, never watched it. John McCain? Yep. Oh. <laughs> um, shit. Who else was in that scene with him? <laughs> Olympia Snow? Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Rod Blagojevich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Target's a point. Here are the rest. Barbara Boxer. Right. Corey Brooker. Booker. Mm-hmm. Booker. Jill Biden. Right. Kristen Gildebrand. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. Madeline Albright. Senator. Michelle Obama. Newt Gingrich. Orrin Hatch. Martin presents round three with 16 entries. People who have been Saturday Night Live cast members for eight or more seasons. Oh, Tara. Keenan Thompson. Goes to you, Allison. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Tina Fey. Mm, Damn really? it. Yep. 
Huh. I guess she wrote for longer than she yeah, was a cast member. That's All right. Valued guest is going down. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah in a blaze of non-glory right behind you. Dennis Miller? <laughs> really? I would have guessed him too. Here are your cast members with eight seasons or more. Al Franken, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Bobby Moynihan, Chris Parnell, Daryl Hammond, Fred Armisen, Horatio Sands, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Sudeikis, Kevin Nealon, uh, Rudolph, Phil Hartman, Seth Meyers, Tim Meadows, Will Forte. What was that? Hate potato. <laughs> Not good at this game. Carry on. Round four. Comedies on must-see TV Thursdays from 93 through to 2000. 21 okay. entries. All right. Here we go. Okay. Um, the single guy. Wings. Caroline in the city. Nice. Uh, suddenly Susan. TV or bowel movement. <laughs> Friends. Just shoot me. Uh, Fraser. Seinfeld. Yep. What was that piece of shit with what's his name from Weekend at Bernie's and Ernest Borgnine? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. It exist. I, yes, but I think I already said it. I think you did too. It what that was the single guy, right? I think so. Oh, okay. That is not my answer. <laughs> my answer is something else. Another show. A little show I like to call Benson. Fuck. <laughs> 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 um Madman of the People. <laughs> All right. That you even pulled that is terrible. <laughs> Allison gets the point, but do you have another guess, Allison, just for shits and giggles? Um, was Matt about you in that? Yeah, it was. All right, okay. here's the other ones, nice. guys. Nice job, Allison. Battery Park. Right. I'm all Boston off. Common. Yeah. Uh, Cursed. Daddy-O. <laughs> fired Up. Daddy-O. Hope and Gloria. Jesse. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Naked Truth. Oh, yeah. Union Square. Sure. And the last one. No, oh, wait. Two more that nobody guessed. Veronica's Closet. All right. And one big omission <laughs> that I'm surprised Tara didn't guess. Will and Grace. Well, I was trying to be cute and go the obscure ones. I didn't realize I outcuted myself. Yeah. Round five. Comedies in which John Hamm yep. is credited as a guest star. Okay. 21 entries. Wow. Allison, you're first. Oh, well, I only know one, so 30 Rock. Um, no, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, sorry. Yep. Uh, children's Hospital? Nice. <laughs> what? Oh, um, Archer? Uh, Benson. A <laughs> <laughs> wish. Wet Hot American Summer? Nice. Oh. Um, Bob's Burgers. Uh. (laughs) Shit. Uh. 
Brooklyn Nine Nine. I don't know. No, but I'm sure that's coming. Should be. All right. Uh, so that's Tara's point. But Tara, any others? I You're had, a big John Hamm fan. I sure am. Um, Parks and Recreation and Last Man on Earth were the next two I had. All right. Other ones? Early in his career, I assume. Allie McBeal. Yep. Gilmore uh, Girls. Here's, here's a black mark on him. American Dad. Ooh. Angie Ooh. Tribeca. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For two seconds. That was a great cameo. <laughs> Family Guy. Uh-oh. Gilmore Girls. Last Man on Earth. Metalocalypse. I don't know what he was. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. Huh. No. Uh, Parks and Rec. Robot Chicken. Saturday Night Live. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants, uh-huh. the Hughleys, the increasing what? poor decisions of Todd Margaret, the Sarah Silverman program, the Simpsons, and one big one everybody missed: Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh... And with that, let's hear the scores. Okay, Allison has That's one done. point. I have four points. Sarah's looking to get on the board. All right. All right. Now, series series six. Yeah, sure. Series six. <laughs> it's British. Uh, Emmy winners for best comedy series since 1990. Okay. All right. So we're two tar. So, sorry, series or? Emmy winners, best comedy series. Series, okay. Since 1990. Uh, 14 fucking, entries. Okay, fucking Modern Family. Uh, I guess, so wait, um, I guess they, this might be missing a couple, but let's, okay. we'll just go with Philippe. All right. Math's not adding up here. Okay. Okay. Oh, I see. It's probably because they won multiple, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, they, yeah. they repeat a lot. Yep, yep, yep. yep okay, Allison. Right, Modern Family is like seven or something. So, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Brasher. Seinfeld. Nice. Um, Arrested Development. Parks and Rec. Mm. Oh, a crime. <laughs> I agree. Transparent. Mm. Ah, oh, Tara, just for shits and giggles. Um, Lost to choose from still. Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock. Once. Yep. Okay. Allie McBeal. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Everybody Cheers. loves Raymond. Cheers. Frazier and Friends. Frazier was said. Brown. Uh, I think somebody said Seinfeld. Yep. Sex in the City. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Office. <laughs> right. Veep. Oh, and sure. Will and Grace. Veep. All right. It is round seven TV series. In which Ted Danson has appeared in at least 10 episodes. <laughs> okay. All right. TV series. Yep. Uh, that includes, this is comedy actor Ted Danson, but we're talking all TV series. Got it. All right. Okay. So to yep. Tara. S- sorry. Regardless of genre. That's right. Okay. Um, Becker. Cheers. Ink. Wow. Oh my god! Nice pull. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I thought for sure I'd be reading that one at the end of this round, but um, good damages. Mm. What shit? <clears throat> uh, CSI. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Fargo. Right. <sighs> that thing he's in right now that I can't think of the name of. No, no. Getting better or something like that. No, oh, I don't know. Right. Is that your guess? Getting better? Uh, that's not it, but yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Sarah. <laughs> I'm out, but do I get the point? No. Yeah. Do, I, do you know what show she's talking about that he's in right now? No. That's the good place. Nick Ryan will just <laughs> post on it for us. Okay. Uh, also, bored to death. Yeah. Uh, Kirby enthusiasm. Kirby enthusiasm. Let me help you. Never heard of it. Is what? one I never heard of, but he CSI was in Cyber. Was he in that? Huh? Was he in Cyber? Oh as shit! Well? Wait, wait. He was in CSI regular too. Yeah, and he wasn't damages. Tara. Uh oh. Oh, that's all. Oh right. no. That's all right. All right. Up Tara's going to give you that point. All right. So that's a point for Sarah. Uh, there was a formatting error. Yes, he was in cyber as well. Literally, is the only way I can get a Extra hot great would like to officially apologize to all damages fans for the oversight. <laughs> I believe when you said that, I was like, oh, maybe there are only like eight episodes a season or something because I know he wasn't in all. Of them. No, I had to convert it from a tab delimited formula. Got it. Format and something mm, got to the tabbing screen. problem. Yeah, tabbing <laughs> problems. You know how it is. Yeah. Actors who have won an Emmy for doing a voice on The Simpsons nine entries. Okay. All right. To Sarah. It's a guest voice Emmy. Actors who have won uh, any any actors who have won an any Emmy, Emmy for doing a voice okay. on The Simpsons uh, includes guests. Okay. Okay. Um, God. I don't know. Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer. That's who I was going to guess. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, if he hasn't, um, I don't know, James Woods? <laughs> well, Allison Jeez. gets the point, but do you have anything? Uh... Oh, my God. I don't think I have a correct answer. Is it Give a guess. Dan Castellan? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here See? are your winners. Anne Hathaway. Point. Oh God. As what? mentioned, Ugh. Dan Castellaneta, Hank Azaria, uh-huh. Jackie Mason, mm. Julie Julie Kavner, mm. Kelsey Grammer. Oh, of course. deserved. That's good. Uh, Marisha Wallace, Nancy Cartwright, and Yardley Smith. So literally every cast member except. except Harry exactly. <laughs> Of course. All right. This is round nine. People who have hosted, hosted a big four late night talk show since 85, 21 possible answers, starting with Allison. David Letterman. Jay Leno. Johnny Carson. Conan O'Brien. Jimmy Fallon. Seth Meyers. Uh, Stephen Colbert. Tom Snyder. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I don't think she qualifies, but Chelsea Handler. Not a big four. Not a big four. No. Uh, James Corden. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Uh, uh, Carson Daly. 
show is on in late yeah, night. Yeah, I guess he qualifies. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's very yeah, yeah, late yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> Almost early morning, but yeah, no, I qualifies. To Sarah. Uh... Still some big ones on the board. Eighty-five is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, sure was. Um, <laughs> I don't think this counts, but why not? Ted Koppel <laughs> is Bob Costas on the list? Uh, no. Okay. But okay. Was later? I think later. And, yeah, later. Yeah, was, later was nice. Was after yeah. Letterman. Yeah, he should have been on there. Yeah. Uh, here's some other ones that you didn't get. Arsenio Hall. Oh yeah, wait, oh, he wasn't big. That's four. embarrassing. Yeah, he's big four. It was Fox. syndicated. It was Fox, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was syndicated. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, Bill Maher, right? Chevy Chase, right? Mm, Joan Rivers, yeah. Shit, I was gonna say her. Pat Sajak, apparently. Yeah, that was oh, Fox yeah. too, I think. Uh, Paul Robbins, no Phil idea. Cohen, Ross nope. Schaefer. <laughs> you're just making names up now. Wanda Sykes. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Wanda Sykes. Guys, this is round 10. Emmy, uh, primetime Emmy hosts since 2000. Okay. All right. Primetime Emmy hosts since 2000. And because I guess they pair up sometimes, there's 21. Okay. There's 21. That's the only... There was one year when a whole bunch of people oh, Okay, hosted. there you go. There well, five, five people hosted, uh, I believe. You there's your answer, Fishbulb. Okay. Uh, starting with me, right? Correct. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, I was going to say her. Um, now all I could think of, Patricia Heaton paired up with her at one point. Was that before 2000? Is that your answer? Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. That's all I could think of. Sarah. Um, Tina Fey. Primetime Emmy host since 2000. Tina Fey. She did the Golden Globes. Tara, just for shits and giggles. Okay. Uh, Andy Samberg. Anything else? Jimmy Kimmel. Wait, Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, all of the late night guys did it, I think. Yeah. All right. Here you go. Bernie Mac. Right. Brad oh. Garrett. Oh. Conan really? O'Brien. Yeah. Daryl Hammond. Dennis Miller. <laughs> Gary Shandling. George oh, Lopez. Wow. Heidi Klum. Howie Mandel. Jane Lynch. Jeff Probst. Yeah, that was the year that all the reality host nominees John Stewart. Hosted. Martin Short. Neil Patrick Harris. Ryan Seacrest. Seth Meyers. Tom Bergeron. <laughs> oh, the Burge. Everybody. <laughs> Rounding off the next list, too, Wanda Sykes. Sure. Wanda Sykes. All right. Score break. Okay. Um, Sarah has one. Allison has two. I have seven. All right. Back to it. Round 11. Actors who have appeared on more than 15 episodes of The Office. Of course, the U.S. edition. Sure. Mm, Here we go. Opening credits cast are allowed. Actors who have appeared on more than 15 episodes of The U.S. Office. All right. Um, Steve Carell. Mindy Kaling. Rain Wilson. Um, Creed Bratton. The guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
the hair. Who's married yep. to the lady. Still lots, still lots of main cast members left. Yeah. I know. I'm just trying to think of their names. It's like I can't think. Oh, pass. Uh, Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yes, that's what I was trying to Mike think. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate Flannery. Uh, I don't actually think this is her last name, but it's all I got. Jenna Fisher. Sure is. Oh, it is. Uh, BJ Novak. That guy with mm-hmm. the teeth who's in The Hangover. Did we say him already? <laughs> no, you have not. I, I know who you're I talking about. We haven't said tell him yet. You how um, thrown off this game style always gets me. Um, God, I could draw you a picture of him and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, me too. Ed Helms. Ed Helms is yes. the one you were searching for. Amy Ryan. Correct. Andy Buckley, Angela Kinsey, you do know that. Brian Baumgartner, mm-hmm. Calvin Tenner, Catherine Tate, Clark Duke, Craig Robinson, David Denham, David Kochner. Is that how you pronounce Keckner. it? Keckner. Ellie Kepner. Kepper. Kemper. Kemper. <laughs> Hugh Dane. Jake Lacey. James Spader. Leslie huh. David Baker. Uh, Mark Proch. Proch. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Nunez and a bunch of others. Yep. Here we go. Round 12 for, uh, for Tara. Yep. Uh, shows for which Betty White was nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> Ten entries. Okay. God. Well, I'm going to assume Hot in Cleveland. Uh, shit. Betty White. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Really? Just gonna leave that yep. fruit mm-hmm. dangling there? Great, yep. Golden Girls. Yep. <laughs> oh, um, probably <laughs> SNL and some kind of bullshit. Let's see. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's tougher now. Yeah. Um. I don't know. One life to live. That's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm out too. Rhoda? (laughs) I don't know what else either. All right. Number one, and this has actually happened. There's an Emmy with this show's name on it. Betty White's off their rockers. No! Wow. Oh, wait, nomination. So that did probably do Still, there's an envelope with that show's name on it. Yeah. My name is Earl. Okay. TV or bowel movement favorite, Suddenly Susan, <laughs> The John Larroquette Show, The Practice, and Yes, Dear. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. This is round 13 comedy series broadcast by FX slash FF. No, by FX. Okay. So that is a certain moment in time. Yep. Uh, some shows have moved on to FFFXX. Some have not. Yep. Some were canceled before, guys. It's a rich tapestry, 22 entries. <laughs> okay. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, you're the worst. Uh, Started on FX. 
my mind has now emptied of shows. Mm. Like, at all. <laughs> Never mind. FX. Once they were on FX. Comedy series. Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> You're not even trying now. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Better Why? things? Why? I cannot think. I, have I ever watched anything on FX? Probably. I know for like a it? fact that you have. Yeah. Atlanta! Yeah! So <laughs> it's, is that on the list? Hmm. Um... Okay. What else was paired with? It's oh, um, there's something called Starved. Okay. Wow, that is deep. A deep cut. Still I've some got big nothing. ones on the board, guys. I, I cannot think of anything. Mm. All right. Here's some ones you missed. Anger management. <laughs> Archer. Oh, Archer. <laughs> right. Baskets. Right. Chosen. Legit. Baskets. Yeah. Louis well chosen. Louis. Lucky. Louis. <laughs> married. Partners. Yeah. Saint George. Six because there's no spaces. <laughs> Son of the Beach. Testies. <laughs> the comedians. The league. <laughs> the league. The league. Oh, the league. Unsupervised and Wilfred. Wilfred or Wilfred? Wilfred, yeah. Wilfred, yeah. Uh, so let's get the scores here before our last round. Okay. Well, uh, Sarah has one. Allison has two. I have ten. That's uh, anybody's game. Damn. Anybody's for mine. Fucking Martin. Round 14. Guest starring appearances by Judy Greer. 22 entries. All right. So <laughs> yep. this is... Uh, just doing a quick look. Yeah, it is any genre. Okay. Judy Greer, comedy actor, Judy Greer. Yep. Any genre show. Take it away, Tara. Masters of Sex. Damages. <laughs> I, I don't know. You were so confident. I, really I was like, know. I didn't know she was in that. I, I really don't know either. I was uh, trying to fake you out. The Larry Sanders Show. Because why not? Mm. Uh, that was quick. Uh, Tara, got any more? Um, Arrested Development. Yeah. Choosing How I Met Your Mother. I don't know any others. Here's the others. Big Bang Theory. Of course. BoJack Horseman. Californication. CSI Miami. Dan versus Early Edition. ER. Early Edition. My God. Family Guy. House. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just Shoot Me. Maggie Winters. Uh oh, misguided is on her, but that's not a guest appearance. That's no, I don't think leading role. The Winters one was. I think she was a lead in that. Oh yeah, Modern Family. It. Mom, my name is Earl. Oh baby, it was a TV series. <laughs> Robot Chicken and Two and a Half Men. Let's hear the final scores, please, Tara. Okay, um, Sarah had one. Allison had two. I had eleven. All right, so Tara wins by a healthy margin, but we got our tiebreaker here for shits and giggles. I'm going to start somebody off the next season in style. With two steel meals. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Last person left alive will start next season with two steel meals, which lets you steal an answering opportunity from another person who just got the question wrong. All right. Got an Emmy nomination for appearing on Cheers. 18 entries. Oh, boy. Tara, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, Emma Thompson, probably. <laughs> Shit. <clears throat> Uh, and, and just, I'm going to read this again. Got an Emmy nomination for appearing on Cheers. Oh, so it could be leading actors as well. Duh. <clears throat> uh, 
Ray Perlman. Sarah. Yes, I'm still here somehow. <laughs> Shelly Long. Ted Danson. There we go. Woody Harrelson. Uh, Ratzenberger. 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 Uh, went. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. What is that guy's name? Yeah. What is that Still other some guy's big name? names on the board, guys. At least one, anyways. Yeah. I would say two. Don't say big names. Huh. That's rude. Yes, it is rude of me <laughs> to say <Two>. big names. <laughs> oh, God. Big names. <laughs> I was trying to help. I don't get it. Well, now I'm blanking on her name, so... <laughs> All right, Allison, you just got two steel meals for the value guest. But you got another answer? Uh, I was going to say BB Neurowith, which is not the little joke. By maybe a second big name, correct? Yeah. Uh, Kirstie Alley. That's the one I'm saying. Don't say it's big. That's rude. I know. Here's your other ones Alexis Smith, Francis Sternhagen, (laughs) Georgia Brown, Harvey Firestein, John Cleese. Right. Okay. Nicholas Casolano. Yeah. Colasano. Colasano. Coach. Uh, Sada Tom. Oh, wait. Sada Tom. Oh, wonder if that was supposed to be Emma Thompson. Sada Thompson? <laughs> Who is that? I don't know. Mm, that might have been Emma Thompson. Something really terrible happened to his list. Sheldon Leonard. Tom <laughs> Berenger. Oh, yeah. Our list. Right. Oh, right. Ooh, all right, guys. <laughs> Good job, Tara. Thanks. Tara. Tara. Wins the day and the season. You're the best. Not keep you down. You're the best. The best. Like Nothing's gonna keep you down. No. Congratulations, Tara. Well, guys, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We retreated to the cabin of our minds to discuss the family of This Is Us before Sarah disturbed the peace with a blotter presentation (laughs) of Fatal Vision. And Tara and Dave celebrated playing with Pooh on Twitter. We then went around the dial with stops at Gilmore Girls, Search Party, Below Deck, and Westworld. Matthew made a successful pitch for the How I Met Your Mother season finale's induction into the Nonak. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's game time and the season. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariano. Baby say what? Sarah D. Bunting. See you at Christmas. And Allison Lohoff. Who? Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great.
We'll get around to it. It's just, you know, with life and jobs and kids. Plus, this one's still insisting on getting married in a French castle. I'd get married tomorrow in a white castle. This guy needs more wow factor. You're all the wow factor I need. Aww. This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.